Hello and good morning. My name is Matt and welcome to Bible Study Live. Today we're going to wrestle with the question, how are we supposed to handle anxiety? What does the Bible say about anxiety? That's what we're going to wrestle with. Uh, here's the deal. Um, I used to be one of those people that said everything's in your head figured out. Uh, like, I, I, when it came to um, depression, uh, anxiety, fear, <clears throat> while I do know those do happen in our head, uh, I used to just act like this is something we could just easily write off. Just like, listen, if you if you don't want to be afraid, stop being afraid. If you if you don't want to be anxious, stop being anxious. Right? Uh, focus on something else. Here's the truth: it doesn't work for everybody. Sure, some people it does, but it's not the fact for everybody. So today, what I want to do is uh, I want to wrestle with some scripture. Um, my life verse is, uh, Matthew six thirty three, And, uh, today we're going to look at Matthew chapter six, and we're going to wrestle through some of the verses, uh, about nine of them, uh, at the end of Matthew chapter six. And, um, it's funny because the Christian standard Bible puts in the heading, uh, on this section called the cure for anxiety. Those headings were not there. The word anxiety wasn't like a well, English language didn't exist. That wasn't a word uh, when this when this Greek was written. Uh, but that being said, um, that's what this section deals with. Is uh, it really does address that? So that's what we're going to wrestle with today. So I'm going to go ahead and share my screen with you, and we're gonna we're gonna dig in on some some Jesus conversation here. So <clears throat> this is in Matthew chapter six. is all part of the Sermon on the Mount stuff. And uh, which which kicks off in Matthew chapter five. So we're going to pick up on Matthew chapter six, verse twenty five. And I want to say this, like I always try to remember to say, full purpose of Bible study live is I'm studying the Bible anyway. I'm going to study it out loud with you because the purpose is this is to help create conversation without condemnation. OK, uh, we may not exactly see things the same way as we read through stuff, but uh, we're not going to fight about it. We're going to we're going to have some conversation about it. So uh, without further ado, we're going to dig on in. So here we go. Matthew chapter six, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown in the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you? You have little faith. So don't worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. And your heavenly father knows that you need them, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. You know, there's some really encouraging stuff in here. Um, and so I just want to kind of touch on a couple verses. The first thing that Jesus says is, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. He separates the body from life. 
in this. And it's interesting because when he says, don't worry about your life, he immediately goes to what you'll eat or drink. And then about your clothes, what you'll wear. Well, how do you get food and drink? You have to pay for it. How do we get clothes? We have to buy them. So immediately, what, what does that mean? Jesus seems to be saying, listen, he's acknowledging that people then, back in his day, had fear regarding provision, whether they were going to have enough to sustain them. And this is a really interesting thing, because in Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34 that we're reading through today, Jesus acknowledged back then that people did have fear over provision. They were worried if they were going to have enough food on the table. They were worried if they were going to be able to clothe themselves and their children. And I think that's important to acknowledge because sometimes today, and I know I, my kids will tell you, I was like so guilty of this in the past. I'm like, if you want something, just figure out a way to get it. Don't worry about it. Just figure it out. Go do it. And the reality is fear, fear and anxiety for many can be crippling. And, and they go, I mean, I can't figure out how to do that. I'm, I'm, I'm so busy. I'm just trying to figure out how to get out of bed. But it's interesting because Jesus doesn't just say, don't worry. Then he starts to give us a reason where we should put our focus. So first he says, therefore, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? So first he's saying like, he, he's like, encourage him to do a paradigm shift, right? A shift in thinking. He's going, what really matters in your life? Is it that, you know, if, if you are in a place, I remember, man, I remember when my first son Colin was born. We were so poor. Uh, we weren't homeless poor. All right. So I know when somebody says, Hey, we are financially struggling. There's always somebody who was worse. So this isn't a, who was worse off contest, but I want to, I want to be honest with you guys and share something. When my first son was born, um, I, I, I was struggling so bad as a salesperson. I was horrible. Um, I remember living in this apartment and the only furniture was a, a roadside couch and a, a spool, one of those electrical spools. That was the, the living room table. Um, and the dining room was a, a beat up old hand-me-down table for my dad and two chairs. The only actual like furniture, good furniture in the house was, was my son Colin's baby bed. Uh, I, I didn't even have a bed bed. It was a stack of, um, of comforters on the floor and a couple pillows. That was it. That was, uh, this was 1994. So I would have been 19, uh, just turned 20 years old. And, um, every meal was literally, uh, potatoes or ramen noodles when they were five, five for a dollar in the package that it was that level of like broke. Um, I was getting, uh, a draw from the dealership I worked at twice a month for $500 of which the rent was one of those. Um, and I wasn't selling enough to exceed that draw. Okay. So, I mean like it, it was financially that, so I can relate to like the freaking out of like, you know, what are we going to eat? <laughs> you know, where are clothes going to come from? Where's even money to wash laundry going to come from? That's frightening. But it's interesting because Jesus could have stopped there. He could have just been like, well, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or, you know, isn't, isn't you know, the body more than food, isn't, uh, or isn't life more than food, isn't your body more than clothing, don't worry about it. But he didn't end there because he realizes, he knows what we often forget, which is, we, man, we need an explanation sometimes because we need to be able to buy in 
We need to be able to see the hope in this. And so Jesus goes on to share the hope. And, and so he goes on in verse 26 to say, consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? He says some really strong things here. The first thing he says is consider the birds. And then he points out they don't do anything. <laughs> like they, they don't do anything to deserve what they get. They don't sow, meaning they're not out planting seeds for God. They're not even planting seeds for themselves. The birds don't go out and plant stuff in the field. So how, why would that matter? Because a lot of times we think, I don't have in my life because I'm not doing enough. Let me say that again. A lot of times we think the reason that I'm struggling is because I'm not doing the, enough to deserve a return. And while sometimes that's true, I think sometimes our conscience will tell us, you know, you're not putting in work. You know, you're not Matt. like, sometimes I know it's like, you're not giving your best effort. Why? Why do you expect something good if you're not willing to put in good? Right? So I know that there's some of that. Um, but Jesus is pointing out here, look, the birds don't plant a seed to harvest. They don't do anything to deserve what they have. And he goes, Yet your heavenly father feeds them. He points out those birds. But then he says, who feeds them? Your heavenly father. And then he goes, aren't you worth more than they? Jesus is telling this group of people, I know you've got fears. I know you've got struggles. I know right now you're, you're wondering where your next meal is going to come from. You're wondering how you're going to be able to provide clothes for your kids. Uh, and, and why would these people be worried about that? Well, there's a lot of reasons. One, Roman was taxing the snot out of them. But two, here they are listening to this rogue preacher who, for all intents and purposes, the two main schools of thought with the Pharisees and Sadducees, like the, the, Jesus, these guys were ticked to Jesus. So if, if these people were following Jesus, they're wondering, like, am I going to be shunned? Am I going to be outcast? Am I going to lose everything just because I'm listening to what you've got to say over here? Like, it sounds appealing, this love your neighbor stuff, but am I going to lose everything I have? Because I don't even have much. So Jesus acknowledges their fear, and then he reminds them, God provides for these birds that do nothing to provide for the world. And doesn't God love you more than them? And then he continues. He says, can any one of you add a moment to your lifespan by worrying? Man, my grandma used to say that to me all the time. She would say, well, she would say it this way. Why are you borrowing trouble? It's actually kind of how this ends, uh, the scripture today. But it's like somebody, I forget who said this, but uh, somebody had said, like, when we worry, uh, the reason worry is so toxic is because uh, worry is taking a problem that hasn't happened yet and pulling it into today, right? So here's the tough part. If the problem didn't happen, we killed off part of our life with worry. And if the problem does happen, we're going to go through it anyway. So why did we go through it two times, right? Once with the worry and once in reality. So I think it's a, it's a really interesting thing that Jesus says here. Can any of you add a moment to your life by worrying? The interesting part to me is that not only do we not add, and other manuscripts say, or a cubit to his height. Can you get any taller by worrying about how short you are? It's an interesting word. But here's, here's the thing. If we just stop for a moment, think about it, and go, I, it's true. But sometimes would you say like, but I can't help but worry, right? And there's some truth to that too. Our natural, our natural desire. Not desire, but our natural tendency is 
if we can't control something, we start getting fearful, right? We're like, oh, I'm so freaked out. I like, but what am I going to do? But what am I going to do? Like, what if gas, like somebody who goes, okay, I got a $15 an hour minimum wage, but by the time I get taxed out of it all, uh, I've got, let's say $11 by the time, like Medicaid, Medicare, all all the stuff, social security, taxes, you probably don't even have insurance coming out because you can't afford it. But just from the government and state stuff, when it comes out, what do you got? 10 bucks left. And, um, let's say five bucks of it. Now I know in Tennessee gas up to four fifty nine a gallon. Um, so let's say four and a half dollars of it comes out for gas. So, so for every, every hour that you were supposed to make $15, you're really only taking home $5 and 50 cents. And at 40 hours a week, that's just over $200. That's $800 a month. And your rent is a thousand. Yeah. I get why people are worrying. I get it. And back then, we weren't talking about these complex mathematical equations, but same thing was happening. People were working a day's wage, but the Romans would come around, they would demand taxes and more taxes, and then the guards were skimming, and the tax collectors were skimming. And so people worried. And Jesus acknowledged it, and then Jesus reminded, hey, God loves you more than these birds, and you can't fix anything by worrying. He says, and why do you worry about your clothes? This is interesting. Because he goes from, you can't add to your life. People worry about food because they're like, without food, I'll die. So Jesus is saying, is worry going to, is it going to make you live longer? No. All right. Well, let's talk about worrying about your clothes. He goes, "Um, look at the flowers. Look at the wildflowers of the field. The flowers don't spin themselves. They don't make themselves. They don't, they don't, they don't do, they don't spin thread. They don't, they don't like do work to clothe grass by, by saying, here's these beautiful flowers. He goes, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was adorned like these. So Jesus is sitting here going, flowers are more beautiful than any clothing anybody could make. And he goes, and if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow's burned up. He goes, uh, won't he do much more for you? Oh, you have little faith. When I read that at first, I'm like, what do you mean? Well, the interesting thing is when I read this, what it feels like to me is like, God is good. Jesus is saying here. It's like, look, these flowers are beautiful, but that beauty dies. That beauty goes away. The beauty fades. And so will your clothing. <laughs> he goes, so won't God do much more for you? Well, how's God going to do much more if my clothes can't ever be more beautiful than the flowers that are going to get destroyed? Maybe he's saying, listen, it's not about what that looks like because all of it withers. All of it. One day, the clothing, the skin, all of it gets old. It all expires. So why are we putting our faith in that stuff? Why is that? the determination of whether life is going well or not. He says, so don't worry saying, what do we eat? What do we drink? or What do we wear? Now, this part is interesting to me. In verse 32, he says, for the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. So let's talk about what that means, because obviously he, he's talking to people and certainly not Jewish people at this point. Like it's mostly, you would think mostly a Jewish crowd. There's probably some Roman guards listening. But the Gentiles were anyone who was not Jewish, right? And not Samaritan. <laughs> that's a whole different Bible study live though. 
So the, all the non-Jewish people, he was saying all the people, basically, this is what this translates into. All the people who don't know God, they seek food and clothing. That's their primary concern. He says, and listen, your heavenly father knows you need them. He says, look, the people who don't know God, they're chasing after this stuff. They're worried about this stuff. But you've got God, and he already knows what you need. He knows what you need. And earlier he says, and doesn't he love you more than the birth? Jesus is saying, God knows what you need. So then he goes on to give us instruction, like, how do we, how do we handle this? Then? How do we keep our mind off of, what am I going to have to wear? What am I going to have to eat? What am I, how, do we, how do we keep our head from living in that space? And I think he gives us pretty good instructions. This is my life verse. My wife and I both have each other's um, life verses tattooed. Life is my wife's. Psalm 37.4 reminds Matt, Matthew 6.33. Uh, and it's this. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Now, I've heard prosperity gospel people talk about, if you just seek God, then he'll just abundantly give you riches. That's not what Jesus says here. We just went from talking to people who are worried about whether they're going to die of starvation or whether their clothes are going to wear out. And Jesus goes, hey, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Uh, now, some manuscripts just say seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. But what does it mean? It means focus on what? The kingdom of God. It doesn't mean heaven. It doesn't mean getting out of earth. The kingdom of God, Jesus, what did Jesus say? The kingdom of God is here because he was here, right? Now his Holy Spirit is here. So Jesus is saying, basically, seek God's way because he says the kingdom and his righteousness. So seek to live God's way. The things you need will be provided. Whew. He says, therefore, and this ties into my, God bless her. My grandma Isom was awesome. She's the one that said, Matthew, why are you borrowing trouble? When I'd freak out, I'd be like, Grandma, I don't, I don't have enough money for gas, and I got to go to this thing, and I got to go to that. And she's like, why are you borrowing trouble? It's not, that day is not even here yet. Why are you worried about it? She told me that constantly as a kid. You would think that I would have learned by now. But no, I still worry. I still worry every now and then, and then I got to gut check, got to get gut checked. But verse 34, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself each day has enough trouble of its own. I want to point something out here. Jesus doesn't end this, this part by going, so don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has got all of its own blessings for you to focus on. Why wouldn't he do that? That's a, that's a good question, right? Why didn't Jesus, uh, in, in this section of his sermon, why didn't he go, each day has got, why did he go, tomorrow will worry about itself. So focus on the blessings of today. Why would, he, why would he say each day has enough trouble of its own? Well, I don't know, because I wasn't there. <laughs> Neither were you. But in reading this, one thing that just, it seems like to me, is that Jesus is going, look, instead of compounding the problems that may come, deal with the ones in front of you right now that you can handle. But as he talked about stuff earlier, like don't worry about this, 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 God knows what you need. It also seems like Jesus is saying, look, there's stuff that you can't handle. Trust that God will handle it. You worry about what's in front of you right now. Not worry, but 
deal with what's in front of you now. Seek first the kingdom of God. What does that mean? It means follow the way of Jesus. Love God with everything you got. Love your neighbor as yourself. If you've got if you've got a little extra and you see somebody without, give them your little extra and trust that God will give you what you need. Seek first God's kingdom and righteousness, and he'll provide what you need. So don't worry about what tomorrow has. I, I know, listen, a lot of my friends, and sometimes me included, we get worried about what's going to happen tomorrow. We, we see stuff going on in the news. We see stuff on our social media feeds. We've got the left and the right creating division between all of us, which is stupid. We've got gas prices going through the roof. We've got shortages of food on the shelves. It's crazy, though, isn't it? You know, we freak out when we see that there's not as much bread at Walmart as there was two weeks ago. Uh, I bet the person under the bridge isn't as freaked out by that as you and me. (laughs) But I know a lot of you are worried. If things keep going this way, am I going to be the person under the bridge a year from now? Am I going to lose everything I have? Am I going to be able to feed my kids? I know there's a friend of my wife's posted on Facebook, hey, they a, a baby who's got specific dietary needs and has to have a specific formula, and this person's out west, and they, they can't get it. And so my wife was like, hey, there's some at this Walmart. If you need I can get it and send it to you. Like, But don't worry about tomorrow because it's going to worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I, think, I love that Jesus wraps this with a reality check look trouble's gonna come you can't control the trouble that tomorrow brings but what you can do what we all can do is we can seek after god to know him see no matter what happens in this world nothing can get in the way of going god i want to be closer to you and what does jesus say when we're close to god when we know god he'll make sure we have what we need now let's 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 be honest here it isn't always what we want and it's not always an amount that's comfortable like sometimes we go yeah but i wanted to be able to buy two weeks worth of groceries but i only have enough to buy three days worth what am i going to do jesus is saying well what you should do is seek to draw closer to god right now Because guess what? God has a supernatural way of doing stuff. You know, there's a a story of Jesus and all these people that came to hear him teach. And it was time to eat. And all that was there was a kid with a couple of fish and a couple rolls. And somehow Jesus turned it into a feast with leftovers. God has a way. A crazy way. Of doing things that just don't seem possible or in the words of mr spock they seem illogical but god has a way doesn't he so let me encourage you with this my friends in spite of what's going on in the craziness of this world because there is craziness in spite of things that definitely seem worrisome today there are things that are worrisome don't start worrying forward don't don't start worrying about the crap that might hit the fan tomorrow Don't start worrying about the things that how bad is it going to be next week or next month or next year or next election or next 
because you can't control any of it. Control the controlled. Seek God. Seek his righteousness. Seek it. Do what you can with the breath that God has given you, the strength that God has given you, the life that God has given you. Put in the work that you can put in and trust that God is just going to make sure you've got what you need. Just trust that he'll give you what you need. Because tomorrow, it's going to have its troubles. And you can't avoid them. You can't pretend they're not there. And you can't control them. So control what you can. God, I seek you. God, help me to trust you. God, if there's not enough, please do your divine, supernatural multiplication thing that you do. Please, miraculously, uh, Provide forgiveness for this debt. God, please, you know, miraculously provide that that thing from the bank that says skip a payment because, God, we need it right now. Draw close to God in tough times. So what's the cure for anxiety? Well, it seems like what causes it is focusing on worry and what could come and what is here and being stressed out. So what does the Bible say about it? Focus on God. Focus on the one thing in your life, the one being in your entire existence who is unchanging, who has always loved you unconditionally, who has always forgiven you no matter what you've said or done to him or no matter what you've thought about him. If you want peace, go to the source of peace. And trust that if God's going to feed birds and animals that do nothing, to better the world. Like, I'm not saying they're not cute, right? Like, I mean, they're cool. And yes, I know people can argue, well, actually, certain insects do that. That's not what I'm saying. Jesus made it very clear to point out, look, birds don't plant seeds, yet they still have a harvest to eat. And flowers didn't just decide themselves to make the grass look pretty, but they're more beautiful than anything Solomon had, even though they're going to wither and die. So if these things God takes care of, doesn't he love you more? My friend... Let me encourage you. God loves you more than the birds and the flowers. God loves you more than the birds and the flowers. Seek him. Draw close to him. Trust that he'll give you what you need. And uh, give him your anxiety too. Give him your fear. When you see that news report from media A or media B, from person in the left, person in the right, person in the red, person in the blue, when we see that stuff and we get freaked out, I'm speaking to myself here too. Let's not make our first instinct to go share. Let's make our first instinct to go. God, we need you. God, this is a mess. God, I can't fix that. Only you can. God, help me to not worry about this. God, help me to not stress about this. Go to God. Give it all to him. And trust that he'll give you everything that you need to. Listen, I appreciate you guys tuning in. If you, whether you watch it live or after the fact, God bless you and keep you. And may he shine his abundant grace and peace upon you in a time of turmoil. For somebody out there, whoever you are, and it's more than one of you that are struggling right now, freaking out about where your next meal is going to come from, how you're going to have enough gas to get to work. I just pray that God will give you exactly what you need to take care of yourself and your family. Not only that, I pray that he would give you more 
so that you can make the choice to be generous and help provide for somebody else who needs. No matter where we're at in this journey, we're just one moment away from taking a step closer to it. So can I encourage you today? Take that step. Step closer. Uh, if, you, if you need some prayer, if I, if I can pray for you, shoot me a message on whatever social media platform you're watching on. Uh, I'll definitely go to God for you in prayer. Um, and some people go, well, what's prayer going to do? Well, why don't you try it and find out? I've seen God do some miraculous stuff. I've seen a friend with stage 4 cancer get healed. Uh, within 30 days after the doctors gave him a death sentence. That was more than 15 years ago, and uh, I will never forget seeing that miracle take place. When the doctors gave up on the chemo and uh, they gave up on the radiation, and 30 days later, with nothing but prayer, he was in full remission. If God can do that, I think he can provide what we need to make it through the day. I love you. I appreciate you. Share it if it was encouraging to you, if you feel so inclined. Uh, and join me tomorrow for the last Bible study live of this week. Thanks again for tuning in. Now go out there and make your day and hopefully somebody else's. Amazing.